All right, how many got your Bibles this morning? Let's make the devil nervous. Here we go. Say, this is my Bible. This is my Bible. I can have. I can have. With the Word of God. With the Word of God. Says I can have. Says I can have. I can do. I can do. With the Word of God. With the Word of God. Says I can do. Says I can do. And I can be. And I can With be. the Word of God. With the Word of God. Says I can be. Says I can be. Aren't you glad for the Bible? Aren't you glad for the Bible? Yes. You know, in a day and age where uh, truth is relative, uh, we stand on the solid foundation of truth. And uh, thank God for it. Heavenly Father, we just come into your presence, and we love the Word of God. It is life unto those who receive your Word. So, Lord, we want to be receivers. And uh, we want to deal your Word like the youth were doing this week. So, Father, we just ask that this word to grow rich deep inside of us, that you would just bloom big within us and our faith roots would grow deep. So, Lord, we just ask the Holy Spirit to teach, show, lead us into this truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, we've been on a church journey. We sure have. We've been going to the seven churches in Revelation and uh, if you have missed some of those, they are online. You can, any of our, our uh, social media platforms or our website, they can catch up. But we are trucking along through the churches. That's right. So we've gone to uh, the church of Ephesus in uh, Revelation chapter 2. And one of the things w we find there is it was a great church. But the thing that God had to speak to that church was, even though they were really good at doing church, uh, they lost their love for the Lord they in the process. They lost their first love, that first, you know, that, that love that you have when you just start to fall in love. Jesus wants us to have that continually, not only for your spouse, but for him. How many he still, wants you to be in love, love with, with Jesus? Woo! All right. All then right. You're, not, you're not that church. And then we went to the church of Smyrna, and church of Smyrna was uh, just... Uh, a, a church under incredible persecution, and uh, wow. And uh, they were kind of excommunicated from society, but God said that they were rich and wealthy and victorious because they stood in the face of opposition. And then we, last week, uh, and we're going to finish that up right now, we were at the church of Pergamum. Remember Pergamum? Pergamum was a spectacular city on a hill. It was filled with a lot of Greek mythology uh, and the temples. Remember we talked about what the temples were like right back then. It wasn't too good. There was a lot of pagan worship going on. Um, yet God says this church was strong in their faith. And uh, we also covered uh, Antipas who had been martyred for his faith. And then they began to call all Christians in Pergamum Antipas. And Antipas stood for that they were, um, well, hop in. Does anybody remember? Were you paying attention last week? Anti-everything. And so how many know you just kind of feel that way in the world today? That uh, people and things. How many have been accused of being anti what the world wants to push <laughs> at you right now? You know, it's like, I'm against that and that and that. And I'm against it. I'm Antipas. And so, uh, but... Following God faithfully and loyal to Christ no matter what. And their warning was, and that's kind of what we want to get into today, was the warning was that they were, um, you know, the devil's sly. 
Uh, even amongst believers, he, he comes in to try and get a little foothold in your life. How many know what I'm talking about? Just a little sin, you know. And so that was kind of the, the warning the Lord had, the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. We have covered, and if you missed when we really dove into what the Nicolaitans uh, believed, just go back online. We've covered that when we covered the church of Ephesus. You know, let's, let's just talk about that just for a minute. Um, Maybe we'll we'll do we'll do an illustration one of these weeks. But if you got uh, on this side all black, and then on this side all white, right? White being pure and good, black being all bad and evil. But then right in the middle, as the two colors come together, what do you have? Gray, and it's a compromise of both colors. And that's what the Lord doesn't want in our life. Okay, so diving into chapter 2 and verse 16. It says, repent of your sin or I will come to you suddenly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. So here, you know, he, Jesus does the sandwich. Do you know what I mean by that? He's complimenting them, and then he says, I need you to work on this. And then in verse 16, he tells them how, so he's, he, the warning was the Nicolaitans. And just in, in what Pastor Greg was saying, the Nicolaitans were compromising sin, and they were against God's word. So they were being, and we've talked about this, what is a buzzword in our generation is tolerant. And so they were being tolerant of sin, which we see today too, don't we? And beyond tolerant, participating in it. They were beginning to participate in it. calling it, oh, God's okay with this. You know, I loved how the youth talked about their friend groups because uh, it's a slippery slope. Uh, you know, when you begin to hang around people who love to engage in certain activities, pretty soon you find yourself engaged in those activities also. And so here we have in verse 16, it says, repent of your sin, or I will come to you suddenly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. So judgment was pending based upon their decision to repent or reject his warning. You know, God was, was giving them grace and time to be able to repent. He, he was saying, do this or, or this is going to come your way. How many want the Lord to come suddenly and fight against you? I mean, that's kind of a scary thing. Um, repent. Get, get right with God. And so the Lord was just saying, the leaders who are pushing this in my church to my bride, corrupting my bride, I don't know about you, but uh, really what he's talking about is somebody coming in and taking his bride hostage and, go and corrupting her. I don't know about any husband, but if somebody comes into my house to corrupt my wife, okay, I got we'll a little thing. Right we'll I got right a along. little thing. We'll move right along. About forty. Verse seventeen. Almost verse a seventeen. Half inch. Verse seventeen. It's a whole punch. Verse seventeen. With gunpowder behind verse 17. it. Verse seventeen. You will, and that's what Jesus is saying. I will take you out because you're corrupting my bride. I'm just going to drink my water. So I, how many husbands can appreciate God the Father 
who loves his church and just not going to tolerate that. All right. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give some of the manna. If you don't know what manna is, we'll talk about that in a minute. Manna that has been hidden away in heaven. And I will give to each one a white stone, and on that stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. So, has anyone in this room ever felt like God's taking too long? I want you to know something. There is manna available for you. Fresh, daily manna available. Now, manna was back in the Old Testament. It was a supply from God to the children of Israel. But here we are in Revelation and what does he say? God is talking to the church. And he says, I will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven. God has your need in mind. It's hidden away, but it's hidden for you. Doesn't that just, oh my goodness, that just gives me such comfort. God has manna for you. Hidden away. In delay, you know, it's easy to gripe and complain. We've all done it. Let's just be honest. We've all done it. But it doesn't make it right. In delay, God doesn't want us to gripe and complain like the children of Israel did. He wants us to tap into his hidden manna and believe God for the things that he has promised. Tap into it. You know, and really manna was the thing that God sustained them with on their way to the promise. And, you know, we got to continue to mix our faith in that middle time where we're, God, you're taking too long, but I'm still going to honor you, and I know you're working on my behalf. And in that middle ground, that waiting time, God wants to supply and meet your needs and keep you going. You know, there's stuff going on behind the scenes in the spirit realm we're, we're not aware of. And he just asked, hang with me. I got you. I'm going to take care of you on the way to your promise. And that was his encouragement to this church that was in a very ungodly city of Pergamum. And so we're going to end that visit. And what's the name of the next church we're headed to? Does anybody know? Read ahead? Thyatira. Thyatira. Okay, so do, do we have a map? We do. We do. Here awesome. we go. So here's Thyatira. So we went from Ephesus to Smyrna. We're going north to Pergamum. Now we're going Kind of southeast to Thyatira. And Thyatira was this city. Uh, there's really not a lot of cool pictures of Thyatira today, like uh, Pergamum, because they just kind of built over the, the ancient city. There's still some, some uh, relics. You can see that there was something from way back when. But what this city was, was um, it was built as a military citadel to protect Pergamum, because Pergamum was a wealthy city. Uh, I mean, the amazing sculptures and artifacts and gold and the temples, there was a lot of wealth and richness there, plus it was also the governmental seat. Pergamum was the city. You know, it was amazing. And so uh, Thyatira was built to protect Pergamum. 
So all the military is in Thyatira, and they their job was to combat against the invaders that were coming through to get what was in Pergamum. That's right. And so that was a big trade route. So they were that military post was there. And, and they had they for that time frame, they are known to have amazing military hardware and amazing um, well-trained soldiers for that time frame. It was Absolutely. considered like really state-of-the-art for that time frame. Yeah, and uh, people feared the Roman military. So this was, uh, so a church was built right in the middle of this uh, city that was filled with a bunch of soldiers and their families, and there was uh, all kinds of stuff that had to take place to sustain that city. And even just like we're familiar with that because we got JBLM here in our community, and a lot of people, even in here, in our church, work on base that aren't actually military personnel. But the military has contracts to supply food and b build buildings and do everything that a military needs to keep it sustained. But the problem in Pergamum, like some of the other cities, is the trade union, uh, if you weren't a part of the trade union, you really couldn't get a job and all the jobs were basically on the military post. So the, the trade unions were built around uh, a goddess or a deity, and they had their own temple that the, you had to participate. You had to worship at the temple where the union meetings were held to get the job, and a lot of sexual deviancies and... A lot of debauchery. Uh, drugs. And so all that was, you did, you had to participate with that to please the God, to have favor in order to, to get work. And the Christians were like, no, we're not going to participate in that. That is so ungodly. We're not going there. And so they suffered because they couldn't get a job. So let's keep going. Here we go. Verse 18. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Thyatira. This is the message from the Son of God, whose eyes are like flames of fire, whose feet are like polished bronze. Okay, let's stop there. So we've got eyes of fire and feet of bronze. Let's start with the eyes. So here, the writer of Revelation is who? John. So John was the, an individual who got to walk with Jesus and actually look in Jesus' eyes while he walked to the earth. Now he is saying that his eyes are like fire. Kind of like uh, when you gaze into a, do you know when you gaze into a campfire and you're, you're just like engrossed in a campfire. So all of a sudden, these eyes are like, like fire. They're like a campfire. Have you ever been in a campfire and you just can't help but look at the flames dancing around. It just, yeah, mesmerizes. It draws you in, and you're just kind of like spellbound with this. Can you imagine looking into Jesus' eyes and just being drawn to his eyes? And there's something about his gaze that is, yeah, it's mesmerizing. Yeah. And he ex explains it that way. I think that's kind of And, you cool. know, fire can, uh, it can destroy, right? Or it can purify. And so Jesus' eyes have the ability to judge things, but they also have the ability to purify things and refine things. So then we go to the bronze feet. Uh, you know, bronze and brass usually represents judgment. Brass is judgment. And here, um, it was polished. 
It represents the intercession of Jesus wanting individuals to repent so that judgment would be adverted. And I love that this, it gives us a description of the heart of God. His, his, he's got bronze, he's got judgment, and we see bronze represents that throughout the Bible, but it's tempered with the, the oil, the, the polishing, that he doesn't want to bring judgment. That's not his heart. His heart is, how many know the Lord Jesus right now is at the right hand of the Father making intercession on our behalf? And a lot of times we're not getting what we deserve because of Jesus' intercession on our behalf. And I like that. It's so important that we understand that because a lot of times we go around thinking, God's mad at me. I sinned. He's, gonna, he's, he's out to get me. You know, I'll just say this. The Bible talks about a day of judgment. How many have ever heard that phrase, a day of judgment? Here's the deal. While we're living, we got an opportunity to self-correct and repent. And, we want, and people are blatant in our day. They're burning the Bibles. They're cursing God, making fun of him publicly, profaning him. And they're like, where's God if he's going to judge me? Well, here's the deal. There's a day of judgment coming. And he's storing up. The Bible says he's storing up his judgment. I don't know about you, but, you know, I know my wife. Uh, I can push her here, boom, 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 incrementally. And then there's a day of judgment. <laughs> it would have been better to take care of it at the first warning instead of allow it to You're go talking on. talking about, all, like, pushing your wife's buttons? All week to the day of judgment. And that's exactly what God is saying. He's, he's withholding. He's restrained. And some people think they're getting away with stuff. You ain't. You ain't. <laughs> you know, it's I, the word of God from I love Pastor that Michael. It, I love that it says, it doesn't say whose feet are like bronze. I love that it says are like polished bronze. And I, I really believe, you know, bronze is heavy. And, um, and bronze, with bronze feet, you probably aren't going to move fast. And, you know, it's, it's heavy, right? I love that it talks about that because I don't believe Jesus is quick to judge. Oh, that's good. I believe that he gives time for people to repent. He and then and then the polishing, just like you talked about when you polish, you've got a there's a little bit of oil and it's rubbed in and it's it's polished. In other words, when polishing, there is things that God will give like the oil of the Holy Spirit to to kind of speak to you and say, "I shouldn't have done that." He's 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 giving you a warning. He doesn't want to judge you. He wants you to repent. And so there's a little eh, in your spirit, like, I probably shouldn't have done that. Probably shouldn't have said that. You know, yada, yada, yada. Don't you love that word? It's just so fun. Yada, yada, yada. But anyway, there's, there's a period where God is saying, I, I have polished bronze. In other words, there's the oil of the Holy Spirit on the earth right now to say it's time to repent. But the feet are still bronze. They're still there. Okay, let's keep going. So I, I like that. Do we, how many of you like it when people are just kind of slow to wrath when you goof up? Let's be like Jesus. Let's work with people. Let's be patient. Let's be gracious. So going back to, you know, you said something about pushing my buttons. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm just slow to wrath. 
maybe you are like Jesus. And maybe I'm a little more like the devil. I don't know. <laughs> no, you're not. Revelation chapter 2, verse 19. We're going on. It says, I know all thing, all the things you do. Jesus talking to the church of what? Thyatira. I have seen your love, your faith, your service, and your patient endurance. And I can see your constant improvement in all these things. Isn't God wonderful? He's, come, he's got some stuff to deal with, but he's like, man, whoa, you guys are awesome. Look at what all you, that you're doing here. You know, he's, he's complimenting them. He saw their agape love of, of self-sacrifice, you know, for the benefit of others. You know, I just want to talk a little bit of the history of this church. It isn't so much like Smyrna where the church people are just uh, banished, but they found a niche in their self-giving sacrifice that the community had to receive from them and accept them. They didn't have the poverty of Smyrna because they found a niche where the community needs us in their giving and in their generosity and in their service to that community. They went, okay, we need you. We they don't went like, above and beyond. We, we wish you would serve our gods and you know, participate in all our debauchery, but since you don't, but you're, so, you're great people. And right. so that was the Lord's complimenting The Lord is that. complimenting them. Man, you, you, you've got the agape love going on. Then he was moved by their faith in God's word. They, they had the faith. They were believing God. Then he witnessed their service in the church. Like, they were serving in the church. And he praised them for their patience to stick with it. Patience is a, is a great thing to grow in your life, the, to stick with it in your life. And then, uh, so he's, he's, he's got all these amazing things that he's telling them. And then we get to verse 20, and he, Jesus doesn't like compromise. And here's, here's what he says, but I have this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. So here's a reference to Jezebel. So you know you got a problem when he says that woman <laughs> yeah. or that man. You know, so that Jezebel is a reference to an Old Testament story uh, of King Ahab of Israel married a foreign king's daughter. So they wanted to create this peace treaty through marriage. So he brings Jezebel in, marries her, and she's now a part of Israel. But she doesn't leave her ways behind. She brings them, and not only brings them, she's enforcing them in her, in her nation that she's got married to. She was and, trying to control, manipulate, and to, uh, she, she was rebelling against the ways of God. And she was on a mission to change them to her ways. And how many of you have ever heard of the prophet Elijah? Yeah, he was not a fan of Jezebel. And so uh, she had, at one point, y'all probably heard this Mount Carmel experience. You mentioned it about the cloud. Yeah, that was Elijah. And he was, said, okay, we're going to have a little competition here. Bring all your 400 prophets of Baal, and I'm going to show up representing God. And whoever's God... We'll serve him. So it's a great story because Baal wasn't doing anything, and I love Elijah's like, ah, where is he? Is he in the bathroom? Is he constipated? What's going on here? 
That Time's like running out. That's my husband's favorite scripture. It's, I mean, if you read it, it's really what it says. It's like, is he relieving himself? I mean, what's the problem? Come on, where is he? And then Elijah said, okay, God, you show. Bam. Not only did God light the fire there that was drenched in water, but he torched all 400 prophets. So, and Jezebel still didn't convert. And that's where we're back into Revelation. Here's this woman, this Jezebel, who's bent on twisting the gospel to incorporate sinful life, the debauchery that God hates. There's two things you got to get out of these uh, warnings to the church, the seven churches. Number one, people need to repent. Even though you're a believer, you still have to have times to repent. You are not perfect. And when you miss it, you need to repent. The second thing that is prevalent in these churches is sexual sin. And he's like, you got to deal with this because this is going to corrupt you. And I don't want you corrupted. My blessings, my, my favor on your life is withheld when you are involved in sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. So. so she. do you notice that it said she calls herself a prophet? God never said she was a prophet. She called herself a prophet. You know, that's a warning for us as a church of self-proclaimed people who've got to push their title on you. Watch out for people who've got to tell you who they are. Your gift will make room for you. People will know who you are. You don't have to tell people who you are. And so here she's going around telling them, I'm a prophet. And people fell for it. Church, don't fall for that. I mean, I've seen it over my lifetime of a few years of people who who would come up to me and tell me that they were X, Y, and Z. And immediately my little antenna goes, ding. If you have to tell me that, why do you need to tell me that? Because they wanted to push something. They wanted to be able to manipulate something. They wanted to take charge of something. So here he's saying she, she calls herself a prophet. You know, she was, that's where she was at. Um, and Jesus didn't really have a problem of the teaching part. He had a problem with what she was teaching, that she was teaching error. I mean, Total air. Totally off. So really what you're saying is if she would have been preaching God's word, this warning this never would have. would not have happened. Right. But because she was teaching compromise to his bride, he's like, I got a problem with this. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus uh, was a little bit upset. And so her teachings, like you said, leading to sin, compromising. And, you know, today you can find churches that are teaching this. They're in our city, and they're saying it's okay to be involved in sexual immorality. You know, it's okay. God still loves, and God does love you, but they go beyond it and say God's okay with it. God loves everybody. He loves the sinner. He hates the sin. And he loved this Jezebel. He wanted her to repent. He wanted to save her. God's not out to destroy. God is wanting people to get to heaven. Right. The devil's wanting to get everybody to hell. And so that's what is really upsetting. So the Lord. we've seen through the churches, we've seen the, the Nicolaitans, we've seen Balaam talked about, and now he's referring to Jezebel. And, uh, you know, let me just, just be clear sexual sin is anything outside of the bond of marriage. Just so we're clear, 
Sexual sin is anything outside of the bond of marriage. And so here as he's talking to the pastor uh, or the, the angel of Thyatira, he's telling him, you need to stop this dangerous teaching of this woman. You need to, you need to end this. Because the church here was on the verge of being derailed. Because if you allow this, people are going to start to go, oh, it's okay. Which is what we're seeing in 2021. My husband and I have watched messages where pastors are being derailed. Beginning to say it's okay because our culture says it's okay. Our culture says this sin, eh, it's okay now. Have you? It depends on, well, this sin over here didn't used to be okay, but now it's okay. God's word doesn't change. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, and we got a teaching on so many fronts at us that tell us there's no more absolutes. Church, you got to know there are still absolutes. There's absolute right and there's absolute wrong. And some of us got to deal with that in our brain that there is absolute wrong and there's absolute right. There's not a blend. And nature itself tells us there's absolutes. The earth travels around the sun how many days? Every 365 days. And it's been that way forever. Gravity is an absolute, even though people try to defy gravity. It's an absolute. <laughs> the tides change every six hours. It's an absolute. And so when we come to morality, we don't think there's absolutes anymore. Truth is relative. Our right and wrong is based upon the conditions we find ourselves in. No. We got to know God is a God of absolutes. Stay with God. Abandon the teachings of this world, even though it might mean you're on the outside looking in. It's worth it because someday you will be on the inside and they will be looking at you wishing they would have followed the Lord Jesus. That's so true. Let's keep going. Verse 21, I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn away from her immorality. Yikes. Yikes. You know, I'm like you. I have individuals in my life who I am really trying to minister to and to help and, uh, you know, God is a merciful God, and so I choose to always walk in mercy. And I have some, some individuals in my life where, you know, I'm trying to lead them to God, but they keep deciding not to repent. They keep deciding to stay in their sin. My heart hurts. I know many of you have, have loved ones, and your heart hurts too, and you're like, come on. There's hope for you. There's, there's help for you. Those watching, there's help for you. But there comes a time when you've got to choose. Don't wait till tomorrow to choose. And I know many of you, your hearts are like, why are you waiting to choose God? You know, if you sense the Holy Spirit nudging you to repent, do it and do it quickly. Verse 22, therefore, I will throw her on a bed of suffering, and those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from her evil deeds. So here we see not only is God talking about her, if she doesn't repent, this is going to, and it's not talking about, you know, I'm going to throw her in a nice Tempur-Pedic mattress. 
the bed he's talking about is sleep eternally, but not sleeping. It's really, I'm throwing her into a casket, and that is the doorway of her eternal suffering. And then he also talks about those who are partnering with her and involved and following her teachings. They're going to follow into the same thing unless they repent. And you got to get this. This is God's heart. He keeps saying, unless, unless, unless. I want them to repent, turn from their, their ways, follow after God. Verse 23, I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am the one who searches out the thoughts and the intentions of every person. And I will give to each of you whatever you deserve. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? A lot of people don't want to even preach on this on the churches, because it's pretty strong. Uh, but know, God does not tolerate false teaching reproducing. And that's what it's really talking about in her children, both the physical children and the natural. He doesn't want the offspring of this blended teaching, Jezebel, Balaam, whatever doctrine, compromise being reproduced. It's mm -hmm. got to stop, and it's got to stop now. And uh, he just is like, and he's saying the same thing to us today, especially in the day we live. There's stuff that is easily corrupting our purity of our faith, and the Lord is, is asking us, stay away from that stuff. Follow after me. Believe in me uh, wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Verse 24, but I also have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira who have not followed this false teaching. Deeper truths, as they call them, depths of Satan, actually, I will ask nothing more of you 25 except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come. Everybody say hold tightly. Hold tightly. Say it again. Hold, hold tightly. tightly. Here is a warning to hold tight to sound doctrine. Here is a warning to hold tight to purity. You know, I can't, I got to read this scripture. It's out of 1 Timothy 4.1. It says, now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. You know, this is not going to be a teaching that is like blatant. It, 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 Jezebel had a way of manipulating in and making it sound like it was good and it was, it was okay. And I'm telling you, in 2021, it's the same thing over and over again. There is a, a Jezebel spirit that is coming in that is trying to get people off of the word of God and say, well, does it really say? What did Satan say back at Adam and Eve? Did God really say? It's the same thing today. The world is saying, well, did God really say that? Maybe it's taken out, you know, maybe it's not really what you think it is. It's still going on today. Can we recognize it for what it is? And God is giving a very, very harsh warning if we don't recognize it. He's you saying, know, I'll stop it. You know, and people are saying, man, I got a new revelation we got the forefront of what God is saying, new, something different he's saying today. You know, this new progressive Christianity, um, you know, we really got to be careful of what we hear 
And that's also another word that we hear to each of those who have ears to hear. Here we go. Verse 26. To all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, to them I will give authority over all the nations. They will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. They will have the same authority I received from my father. And I will also give them the morning star. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. What is morning star? Man, that is sun. That is bright. That is that brightness. Is, there is no darkness. You will have the sun. You will, and what does the sun do? It dispels the darkness. It, it takes away the darkness. He will give you the morning sun. He will give you the light. If you follow and you hold fast and you hold tight to the word of God and his ways. I'm telling you, church, it is not time to get wishy-washy. Do you know what that means? It's not time to just let a little sin creep in. It is a time to hold fast to the word of God. Those watching me, it is time for you to hold fast to the word of God. It is time to repent. We are in the last days. And that same spirit we still see here has been seen over and over again throughout the Word of God. Amen. But those who hold fast to God's Word are what? Victorious. That word victorious means a super conqueror. Super, abundant, above. Pastor Terry preached that about your blessing. But it's also talking, this word here is talking about you are more than a conqueror. You're super above, completely annihilating and defeating your foes. That's who God's called the church to be. Would you stand with us? Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence in this place. Thank you, Father God. You know, as we've thank been hearing these now into our fourth church, the Lord so wants people to come to him. It was his heart when Jesus walked the earth that he desired that, that everyone, would come to the knowledge of the Father and receive salvation. It's not his will that there would be uh, judgment or the wages of sin is destruction. That's not his will. It's the gift of God that gives life and eternal life and blessing. And if you're here this morning and, and you want to get in on God's love and his salvation and part of his family and watching online and you realize that you're not where you should be with God. And, you know, and as believers, sometimes we can drift away and we get, we, we get far from God and we got to get right. We got to get back. We got to get in fellowship with the Lord, especially in this day and age where there's so much opportunity to compromise our faith. So I'm going to count to three, and on three, I want you to respond to God's love by raising your hand. And if you're watching online, just stretch out your hand uh, wherever you're at, whatever you're watching on, and physically respond. I want to receive Jesus right now. And Pastor Stone's going to lead us all in a prayer. Pray that prayer, and that's the beginning of your new relationship, renewed vitality spiritually. So one. There's no better day. The days are running out. We only, I don't know how many days we got. I don't know how many days we have or don't know what could happen. But today is a perfect opportunity to respond to his love. Two, don't let pressure from your thoughts or friends or what are people going to think. 
talk you out of this. Three, respond right now. Raise your hand. I want Jesus. I want to be committed. I'm all in. Thank you, Jesus. Right on. Thank you, Lord. Church, would you repeat this prayer with them and those watching online? Would you repeat this prayer also? You're wanting Jesus to be number one. You want to get right with God. You want to get rid of error in your life. Say, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I thank you. I thank you. For your precious blood. For your precious blood. That was shed for me. That was shed for me. On the cross. On the cross. Through your stripes. Through your stripes. For my forgiveness. For my forgiveness. I thank you. I thank you. For what you've done. For what you've done. So that I can be free. So that I could be from free. From sin. From sin. And error. And error. And missing the mark. And missing the mark. I ask today. I ask today. That you would cleanse me. That you would cleanse forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. From all. From all. Unrighteousness. Unrighteousness. And today. And today. I would be made right. And today I'll be made with right. You. With you. Right standing. Right standing. New creation. New creation. In Christ. In Christ. Old has passed away. Old has passed away. All has become new. All has become new. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church, I, I want you and those watching, and there's, there's a few other questions that I believe the Holy Spirit is asking us. And that is, are you studying the Word of God so that you don't fall into a trap of some false Jezebel religion? You want to be studying the Word so you aren't drawn away. You don't want to be deceived. You want to be spending time with God. Not only that, but you want to make sure the relationships that you have in your life and those watching me, that they're not pulling you away. You're not being deceived by friends saying, eh, it's okay. God doesn't say that. He says there's forgiveness. So I believe as believers, we have to really continually check up on where we're at. And then there's one other thing that I believe the heart of God is saying this morning to believers. And that was when we were finishing up the church of Pergamum. And he said, I have manna for you. Come on, church, close your eyes. Get along with God. I want you to know the heart of God sees your waiting. And he wants you to tap into his daily manna. Daily manna. How do I tap into that, pastors? By reading his word and talking to him. And he has something daily for you. Daily. During that time you feel you're waiting, there is manna provided for strength and substance. It is the hidden things of God, and they're available for you. They're available for you. Come on, if one of those things hits you, lift your hands towards heaven. Father, I thank you for your church. I thank you for your bride. And I thank you that you have hidden manna for all of us. Father, I thank you that we tap into that. We are believing you while we're in the middle of some things. Father, I thank you that you also, as we are tapping into the manna and the word of God and our prayer time and our prayer life with you, Father, not only are we tapping into the manna, but we're also, we recognize when there is a voice that is not from you. We recognize when there is a teaching that is not from you. We recognize it because we know the word and the word sets us free. There is freedom. There's freedom when you are free from sin. There is freedom. 
Father, I thank you for fresh manna on your people. And we give you praise and glory in this house. And those watching, Father, or listening by the sound of my voice, come on. God is challenging you. I have something for you. But you've got to press in. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Amen. Amen.